and I'm getting started. Okay, so this is Broken Crispy. It's our podcast of just us talking and being honest about stuff. We'll eventually probably invite people over to interrogate us, but like the idea is we're just kind of talking and it's going to just kind of be fun and nice. Um, all we thought that for the first episode, we would talk about sex since people are uncomfortable about talking about sex and it's nice to just have a guy and a gal just talk about sex, you know, and openly and just see what's up. Um, last time, you know, we had a bunch of interesting questions, but I feel like we didn't quite have our groove because we were being a little bit too intense about it. So this time, I personally, and I haven't even explicitly asked Brooke about this, so she's just going to have to figure out whether she's comfortable with that and, and tell me, and then I'll restart the recording, um, <laughs> uh, is uh, let's just, let's just you know, kind of shoot the shit about lots of things that are going on. So here is one thing that I think. I personally feel that everyone looks slightly more attractive with masks on, but that the effect is much stronger for women. And my reasoning for this is the following. I, I feel that way naturally, but I, I have a, I've invented a theory for myself. And I think the reason why I feel that way is because I think for everybody, if you see a mask, you kind of fill in an attractive idea of what they could be because you're kind of like, oh, they could you know look good like this. You're kind of you're kind of optimistic. Um, but uh, for men, I feel like most of men's beauty is usually from their face, and that a lot of men they have like an okay body, but it's not they're not well dressed enough to show it off well, and they like often just also don't even have a body that I would personally consider attractive. Um, so I feel like for women though, like it's uh, it's this boosting effect because I think a lot more women tend to pay attention to how they're dressing and how they look and whatever and blah, blah, blah. And so like their outward appearance is already, you know, optimized just kind of because societally that's what's happening. And then you round up from an already good place. Um, and there's, there's a lot actually uh, kind of, there's a few, I don't know if I believe these studies, but like, you know, there's a few reports of, you know, okay, on average, people think that women are more attractive, like, than men like you know like a lot of more pe women are considered attractive than men are considered attractive as a percentage of the population so i'm very curious what do you think the masks have done to the dynamics of attractiveness well i mean i, I haven't really i mean i've been outside so i work at doordash so i have been outside some but like i don't really i don't really see what you're saying here like i think that i have seen some people who look very good in masks but it's definitely not the default for me oh should i turn up the volume my squiggles are smaller than yours uh, maybe I should just turn up the volume. I mean, I'm, like, so you sound fine to me. Because um, your squiggles are bigger. My squiggles are bigger? Your squiggles yeah. are bigger on mine. No, your squiggles are bigger. That's interesting because I'm like, I'm literally looking at it and, and your squiggles are definitely bigger on mine, which is crazy. Oh, maybe it's just a, okay, maybe it's just a, a factor of the, uh, of the I'm writing not, thing. I'm not too worried. I think we can figure this out. Uh, <laughs> but if you, if you want, you can try lowering it now and we can just do that. And I honestly think we should include this in the podcast. Like, I think this is part of the fun. Yeah, yeah, this is totally fine. Um, I was actually going to say, I think it's fun when we, uh, like, started recording. Um, or, like, if we start recording right when we pick up, like, start talking to each other. Just to no, exactly. That no, it's like this, <laughs> yeah. this podcast, you know, like, I feel like our, our alternative title is called The Real Deal. Like, this is just the real thing. This is just what <laughs> yeah. we are. Yeah, so, like, like I've seen some people that I thought looked really good in masks, but it's definitely not the not the standard for me. Um, I tend to, like, hope I can catch a glimpse of somebody drinking something or something so I can see them with their mask off. 
Um, Ooh, really? So you're yeah. you're really just kind of a peeping tom, is what you're saying. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like the people that I feel like I've seen look really attractive in masks are people who kind of like it adds to their mystique, kind of. Right, um, I, and I think that's what I see in them. I guess maybe I just prefer mystique in people. I think mystique is almost universally attractive. I mean, I'm thinking more of, like, people who's, like, it goes with their outfit, kind of, and it's, like, fitted, you know, like, more of a fashion thing. I actually don't like that. I was going to say I like standard masks more than I like the fashionable ones. Yeah, the standard masks not really doing it for me. That, I mean, I think that's the thing about me, though. Like, I definitely don't mean to claim that this is the, the universal feeling for everybody, but, like, my feeling is that, like, you know, so, for instance, if people, like, when people have a uniform, I actually think it's people are generally more attractive to me when there's less of a competition to distinguish each other. I feel like I can kind of, it's almost like I compensate to see the real them more easily because I'm not seeing that. And like, that's not fair because like your clothes are also part of the real you. You chose those clothes and whatever. But for me, I guess for me, it's it, for my, my just like background psyche, it's kind of an aberration. I'm like, eh, forget about fashion. Like what's, what's the real you? <laughs> So, so can you think of any examples of uniforms that are like like commonplace uniforms that you don't think look good, or or that that's you don't... an interesting question. Well, I think, and I don't know, like I'm not thinking of something specific, but I think a lot of service jobs that include getting really dirty, like I don't have a good feeling about attractiveness. Like I don't feel angry at those people, but like it doesn't make me feel attractive. So if I see someone who's like clearly like, you know, a garbage person wearing their thing, you know, they're gonna go pick up garbage or like, you know, put it in the truck, whatever. Um, or like maybe like, you know, cleaning a, a park or something. To me, I instantly I'm I'm a kind of a hypochondriacish person. Like not really, <laughs> but like I'm always like really too careful about germs and whatever and stuff like that. So to me, I it kind of freaks me out and I like, you know, all of the attractiveness goes out the window. But I don't think that's a visual thing. I'm trying to think if there's any like visual thing that matters. But like, okay, what about like nursing nursing outfits? They Scrubs. look they look fine. I think I've you know I think a lot of nurses like I see them I'm like oh you're an attractive person. Um, definitely doesn't like it doesn't. I want to be clear. It's not like a uniform thing. It doesn't attract me directly to the uniform. Though like I think there are cases of that. Rather, what I'm saying is just like. I feel like people's attractiveness, I'm more likely to feel people are attractive in a scenario where we're all wearing the same uniform. That's really what I'm saying. Oh, so like when you're wearing it too. Well, I mean, I'm not looking at myself, so it doesn't really matter. But I'm just saying like when like the social construct is like, oh, we're all wearing this and it's all kind of the same. Like that's kind of one of the reasons I'm actually, I'm, I'm a personal advocate of people like, like places like high schools having, um, having uniforms, not because of the attractiveness thing, but because I think it's actually a much more principled idea of when we're all wearing the same stuff, we tend to focus more on the individual, actually, because you can't distinguish yourself with these kinds of things. I, I never went to a school that required uniforms, so I can't really speak on that. But I, well, I didn't either. This is totally me BSing myself, but I'm just <laughs> saying, like, I don't know, man. It's something about, like, isn't there something super egalitarian about that? So actually, my mom grew up in a kind of socialist community and they mostly didn't own their own clothes right so like their clothes they would get it from like the default clothes pile like even their underwear they would get from that pile it all clean it together and you just get what you get and i don't know i think there's something beautiful about that i really do hmm yeah i'd be curious to see like do you have any thoughts about where that may have come from because that's definitely not not how like i view people hmm. unattractive this is not something that's, that i've thought about much anyway I don't know. 
That's hard to say. You know, it's a, it's a feeling, this specific feeling, I don't think it's super common, but I think there are a lot of feelings like that, you know? So I think I've heard a lot of men especially say, oh, I kind of like people who don't wear makeup or at least that they can't tell. Of course, you don't know if you can't tell um, right. under this impression that, you know, it's the real them. And so I probably have some of that real them feeling about a lot of stuff. I'm definitely, I don't know, I'm, I'm a bit torn because it's obvious, A, I actually am pretty, I'm not into fashion as a thing. I don't know what the trends are or whatever. But when I buy clothes, I think a lot about it. And I kind of do like to optimize around a certain aesthetic and change my aesthetics and things like that. But at the same time, I guess for me, like, you know, it's, 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 I, I would, I would kind of make it like this kind of party metaphor. When I go to a party, if there's something that's going to distract us from like actually really talking and going in depth, that always bothers me. So I don't mind having a board game party. In fact, I often like it, but only if people are kind of going to go in depth and, and not, and talk about more than just the board game or like talk about what the board game means to them or something like that, where like people are really going to go in depth. So if we go to something and it's like something where it's like, oh, we're all just going to talk about the things we knew we were going to talk about. Um, and it's just kind of this activity that it's almost, we're just, we're almost just strangers. That's really off-putting. And so I think I have this kind of desire to know the real thing. It almost, from, it honestly, I probably got it from my parents. My mom has this thing where if she goes to like, you know, a new place, she, she's traveling, she really wants to try to get to know where the locals go. And I, I partially have that, though I think she kind of almost fetishizes it a little bit. So I'm a little bit like, eh, I don't know, it's not really my thing, because I feel like it's always complicated and there's not just one group of locals. It's actually all really complicated. Um, but I think I partially got this idea of looking for the real thing in people from her. Hello. Are you there? Yeah. So my my internet connection is not great here. I can move into another room where I have a I can. Nah. I mean, it's fine. I don't. I honestly, I kind of once again, maybe it's just part of the format. I'm just wondering if anything went wrong. Yeah. No, I just disconnected for a second. I feel disconnected from you, dude. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about something else. I got bored. I mean, yeah. I mean, so I don't know. Ethics of blowjobs. So, Let's hear it. Wait, what? What do you say? Ethics of blowjobs. I made that I made that tweet as a joke but honestly I think there actually are a lot of ethics around it and I, I don't think that it's cut like I don't know I'm not going to use any fancy ethics words honestly I've read a fair amount of ethical theory not like I'm not a scholar of it by any stretch of the imagination but honestly I, I really don't think I I don't take seriously most of the ethical theories I read I think they have a lot of holes in there I basically don't believe in reasoning on principle but I think right now with blowjobs and, you know, generally things that people do for each other or one of the partners is at least ostensibly not getting pleasure. Um, there's this weirdness of like, you know, what's the expectation of how much is going to happen in a relationship? And then there's now a lot of gender power dynamics that are coming to the fore about like, well, it used to be expected that, you know, you just kind of do what your husband told you. And I don't even know if that's true or not. I, and I'm really not saying that it's not true. I'm just saying I, I don't even know how you'd really know. Um, I feel like I'd want to know like what the deal is. But I do believe that there was a cultural thing of like kind of not saying no to your husband as much that we're kind of getting away from. And that that like blowjobs and like consent there is like, you know, it's, we're trying to be more explicit about consent and stuff like that. And so I feel like there's all of this weirdness um, about it. And I have to say, you know, I feel funny about it because I have, um, well, I've really seen both sides of the spectrum. I dated someone who really, I don't think, liked giving blowjobs and it kind of almost bothered them. And I've dated someone who's like, it was, it's like the thing that, that turns her on. It's like kind of the thing. And so I feel like, as usual, you know, and I'm sure this is going to come up a lot with you and me, like, the answer is like, 
communication. But I think the weird thing is, it's hard to know when you're finally communicating honestly. Like I've had people that I was really close to um, that I thought I knew everything about them. And then like suddenly I discover like they have an eating disorder. And I feel like that kind of realization made me realize, I don't know when people are really being honest about their preferences. And that just like scares me. So that's, that's my ethics of blowjob, of, of blowjobs kind of thing that like, I don't know, there's a, it's obviously this kind of give or take scenario. And it's, it's kind of hard to know why people are doing that. So like, you just have to, you just have to build a relationship with your partner that you trust. But like, that in itself, I feel like you never really, really know um, how much they're trusting you with certain parts of themselves. Yeah. So, so from the female perspective here, um, the items was like there is a lot of expectation um, in, in general for girls to give low jobs. Uh, I've slept with a fair amount of people. A lot of people who know my Twitter account know that I was an escort for a while, and I've um, <clears throat> never really held back in that arena. And it's kind of I've been with far more people who expect it before sex than who do not. Um, and I did have a really difficult time with, uh, communicating boundaries and kind of even being aware of my own boundaries initially. Totally. Um, I, the first guy I gave a blowjob to, uh, I like held my head down and just let me say like, do not ever do that unless you are sure somebody's okay with it because it feels really terrible. And like, I was not really capable of like explaining why, or like, even like feeling like it was okay for me to say that that wasn't comfortable back when I was totally. 17 or however old I was. Um, <clears throat> But I kind of like have this personality where I, if, if I don't like something, I'm going to try to get good at it. <laughs> like kind of take power back that way. Uh, so I put a lot of work into into getting better at blowjobs. Uh, and I forgot where I was going with that. I'm sorry. Uh, brain fog. <laughs> no. Go ahead. Really, that's interesting because there's, there's a bunch of stuff. Oh, no, go ahead. Okay. No, no, no. Go, go. Yeah. So that's really, that, a lot of that is interesting. I have like already like some questions and responses. I'm trying to think like the most important, I guess the most important to me, which I, is almost trivial, but like, it's interesting. Cause I, I've heard that from people that it's like, it's this important before sex thing. And I've even been with someone who like definitely felt that way, like a, a woman who like felt that way. And I guess for me, I don't know, maybe I'm just super sensitive, but like if I get a blowjob during, like before sex, I feel like, I'm not going to be at my best game because I'm just going to, I'm going to be too sensitive or maybe like, are they like they coming multiple times? Like what's the deal? Cause I just feel like then I can't perform. Um, but maybe that's not a concern for other people or I, I don't know. I'm very curious about what do you think that mindset is? Or maybe you just don't know. Cause they just kind of want that and you don't know what's up. Uh, some of them were clients and I can't really speak on their mindset because I only saw them once or whatever. Uh, totally. I did talk to about it. You know, people that I've dated or whatever, uh, had difficulty getting it up. If they did not get so bad first, really, that's so interesting. Yeah, I I never realized that that was a problem. I guess so. I definitely just like honestly, I have like the opposite problem. Like I'm just going to like get aroused too quickly, and I feel like it's just like always kind of been like that's my general like struggle of how to be better during sex. So that's really interesting that you say that. I feel like that makes sense, but I, I'd never really considered that, that was even an issue. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting too. I, 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 for a long time, part of my difficulty in saying no to people was because I had been told by a guy in high school that um, blue balls is really, really painful, and that like basically hinted that I should try under all like any circumstances to not to give boys blue balls, and um, 
and you know not really realizing that it's something they could take care of themselves masturbating if it really comes down to that <laughs> so I, I don't know who knows with that kind of thing I don't remember even which guy in particular was who needed I think it's multiple guys have been with said that they needed it uh, before sex in order to get you know get up but maybe it's psychological maybe it's kind of like a trick I don't really know it's hard to say that's interesting that is interesting hmm so I'm curious then, um, you've mentioned on Twitter that like you kind of feel like uh, genitals are almost kind of an accessory, right? Like it's just what happens to be down there. But like, how does, how do you think that's shaped sex for you? Because I feel like, you know, there is, at least for a lot of people in sex, kind of like, I would call it the cult of the genitals, right? Like it's like really important to like kind of know your way around these things and kind of care about them. But it sounds like you kind of think genitals are just like kind of gross, which I've also heard. But I feel like a lot of those people kind of are are less into sex generally. Um, so I'm really curious, like what what does your attitude toward genital? How do you think it's affected your sex life? I have gotten really into sex because I'm really into people, not because I'm really into genitals. Um, and I think it's kind of switched a little bit. For a long time, I I really disliked penises. I've talked about that a little bit on Twitter, um, and, and and now I've gotten like comfortable enough with them. Uh, more so because I've been comfortable enough with uh, a few key guys that, you know, I really liked their penises as an extension of them. Um, but now kind of like I've been with so many more guys than I have with girls. Now I'm kind of like more scared of girl parts. Um, I, I don't you know. You think it's just exposure? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's, it's, it's a combination of exposure and exposure to ones that are attached, like genitalia that is attached to people that I like a lot. Totally. Well, that's actually interesting because it kind of goes along with this belief that I have, which is like, I kind of don't really believe that people are ugly, or at least that if there's is if there is such a thing as like an ugly person, it's a very very minor, like it's like a tiny percentage of people, because I kind of feel like what we what we talk about attractiveness is like what we I would call unconditional attractiveness. Like it's like oh, it's something about their physical aspect that is like somehow overcomes your notion of attractiveness without knowing them, but that when you know somebody basically you just you know you see a certain curve in their face or in their hips or something and you like become attracted to that and one reason that I've noticed this is I've definitely noticed that when I date someone my taste in pornography totally changes to be closer to them and that's something that's kind of convinced me that like there is very little like the idea of ugly is a pretty thin idea what do you think yeah absolutely actually um I I'm really unphotogenic uh, I've had people <laughs> before and guys be like, ah, oh, no, you just haven't had the right person taking pictures of you and then like actually get angry and like accuse me of like moving my face in weird ways. <laughs> and I think part of it has to do with that. Like my face is really asymmetrical. Like my eyes are a little bit different shapes. Um, it looks kind of different on one side of my face and the other. My smile is crooked. And I think that like when people do think I'm attractive, it's more like in person when I'm communicating like my personality and like kind of like totally. that vibrancy that goes with like passion and things like that. I think that has much, much more to do with it than my actual physical facial features. And I think that might be why I'm not very photogenic, but I don't know. It's kind of just a pet theory of mine. Also, I get way more comments about my eyes when I'm happier. Like just like- That's very happy. interesting. Yeah. That's very, very interesting. You know, so- one thing you brought up is it's really fascinating to me. I have a very strong belief that a lot of attractiveness comes from, at least indirectly, movement, and not just movement like on a movie screen, but kind of the way you're aware of a 3D reality in a way that like we just can't currently communicate in any kind of you know digital media. That it's really hard to actually get the sense of a person, but that when you see someone's movements, 
that's a lot of the way we socially communicate and it has nothing to do with like what we'd call you know discrete language like you know actual like talking in a, or like english um and i feel like that is probably that's what i view when i when i hear your when i hear what you're saying about oh being unphotogenic i feel like there's just this thing about being in the same 3d space and probably something i you know i know it's kind of it's a common pet theory but i i really believe it which is about smell i totally believe that like we're not aware of a lot of the ways we're affected by just like a lot of kind of little factors in the environment. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure uh, Force Shaper would have. <laughs> I was going to say, Force Shaper, like, we have to get him on here so that we can do I mean, it's almost disappointing, though, because we're all just going to agree, but we have to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, Force Shaper and I disagree about a few things. Um, but I mean, Give me one. What? Give me one. Oh, well. One disagreement. This is going to get off of the sex topic, but um, we have some pretty fundamental differences in our philosophical viewpoints, how we view the world and everything. Give me one oh, or, foundation of your philosophical movement. Or, whoa, whoa sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, it's okay. I didn't hear what you but said. I, oh, I just want to say I want to hear one foundation of your philosophical beliefs. Just a taste. I know it's not sex, but come on. Oh, I was not prepared for this. All right, so. Okay, so okay. Well, you don't I, have to. No, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to give it a try. So I, I believe that, that, um, that we have power to change our worlds for the better. And that part of letting be... Uh, for me, is letting be in the moment, but always striving for something better, and mm -hmm. and like taking taking active steps to to better the lives of people around me. And uh, I believe that Force Shaper is a little bit more of the uh, bent towards like what is is kind of thing. But I maybe totally. we still haven't had our philosophical showdown yet because my brain is kind of goop. But uh, one of these days we will. I think we should have the philosophical showdown right here. I'll be the mediator. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it just made me so happy. Uh, I got to get my brain working again so we can do that. That'll be really fun. I also have, I owe oh, for Shaper, for Shaper a physical letter that I promised him and you're reminding me that I'm a bad person. But anyway, um, <laughs> I'm a bad person. But, um, okay, uh, those are some questions I asked you. It's your turn. <laughs> okay, okay. So what, what goes into uh, getting a good blowjob? Like, what do you most like out of blowjobs? That's... A really hard question and i've thought about it a lot because i've had people ask me because I've, I've mostly had really long-term partners i mean pretty much only selectively like i've i've never you know slept with someone that i wasn't having a long-term relationship with for instance um so i guess the only things that i could say well there okay maybe there are three or four things one is uh like i mean this is maybe obvious but just like learn how to use your tongue like not that aggressively, but like mm -hmm. constantly, um, like definitely learn how to use like movement of like going back and forth and not just a static position. I feel like it's way easier for, you know, someone giving a blowjob to concentrate if they're not moving, but that's actually like, you know, I just, I think really just genitals were designed to kind of be in this back and forth position. And so like, that is kind of what's satisfying. And I guess the, the third thing, I think probably the most important thing that like those are seem really tiny but i guess people want like real details but like the the thing for me is honestly it's really just not that much about the physical experience it just can't be and, and i feel this way about most of sex like i mean it's similar to what you're saying i think i'm i view it a little bit differently than you for in ways that i almost don't quite know how to describe yet and i'm sure they'll come out over the in the course of this podcast and also generally but it's that i do think like sex can't be that diverse in some sense right like there are only so many ways to do these various things. And, and there are various things, you know, even non-penetrative things 
that like we could call sex and like there's even then there's just not that many things you could call sex um but it's really not as much about what's going on there it's about the way you framed it so for instance like i don't know if like you've made sly remarks to your partner all evening and you kind of like how that thing happened whether like it's like right as you like get home with them and like suddenly it's a thing or whether it's kind of this slow thing and you guys have a drink and you're kind of like going towards a more intimate zone or you know that there are all of these things that to me like i know it's about blowjobs but it's really about everything and i feel like that's how it is and i think the key is really especially probably for blowjobs which i think honestly gives you less physical versatility I think than sex, at least in my view, um, is to basically feel out what your partner's kinks are and get them like get them comfortable like that. Because I think the truth is like what really turns on people in sex, as far as I can tell, is that they're like, oh, it's exactly like this, and they suddenly view it a certain way, and that really turns them on. And they feel like, oh, I'm like kind of like it sounds like ridiculous, but I, I think it's like, it's like playing a piano piece perfectly. What I love about playing piano, and I'm not very good at it, but when I get a song right, it feels like I'm just perfectly kind of holding up this like, like facade of cloth in just the right position to make a shape. And I feel like that's actually what people get out of sex. Like when it just feels, oh, this is what's happening. And like, it's kind of turning like this. So I feel like some people like, you know, like they're really into like dominance and submission. And some people, it's really about this kind of effective closeness or some people it's like passion and i feel like you have to figure out how your partner gets at that and like it can be super specific things it can be like the way that um you look at them or whatever or not look at them or get blindfolded you know for instance just to talk about eyes i think eyes are super important there but i feel like it's just not that much about the physical stuff so i gave two physical things but honestly i think 80 percent of what goes into a good sex act in general is just that kind of proper contextualization and understanding what your partner thinks is taboo in the right way. And I think it is mostly about kinds of taboos. And taboos doesn't have to mean bad. It just has to mean it's something that they don't get to think about in a way. It's siloed off for them in a way. And that kind of has stored up all of this like sexual energy like a pearl. So that actually uh, ties back to one of the questions I think I failed to ask you in our first attempted recording. Um, You had listed, I believe, in your your big uh, 400 follower, one like equals one thing, thread uh, you mentioned uh find find the buttons that really turn on your significant other but don't press them too often is that is that totally mostly accurate absolutely that's accurate but, i mean do you want to do you want to go into more detail oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> i was waiting for a question sorry no i, I can really go into more detail um yeah yeah no i mean so i think this is a bad habit that i have so it's funny in most of my relationships what happens in and maybe this is some deficiency on my part i really don't know is usually um, I'll start off at about the same sex drive as my partner. And then usually I'll like get busy with something and I won't have as much sex drive as them. And then eventually my sex drive will come up and theirs will have kind of receded a little bit. And I totally have this awful habit of at that point, like I know a lot about them at that point. You know, it's usually like a year at least into the relationship. And then like I kind of try to get them turned on and it works at first. And then I overuse certain things and it becomes, it comes to feel like you're scheduling something like, oh, you're starting to do that. Okay. Well, I guess you're expecting sex. I'm either going to tell you not or no. And there's no playfulness left in that game. And that like, I think is just like, that's the sex killer. That's the relationship killer really. Um, And so that's something that I've really learned the hard way by just consistently failing to to stop myself. Um, But I think the thing is, you know, there are 
physical things and um, emotional things or things you know you can tell your partner or things you can send them or whatever that um, that turn your partner on for any partner, but that if you start using them too much, a they stop working and they and they stop and b they they stop working because they come to be viewed as transactional and that you know like transactional relationships are just never sexy. I mean that's actually not true. Right? There's something hot about the idea of like transaction in many ways, <laughs> but I think the point is if that's really how the relationship functions as a main thing i don't think most people find that sexy i think there can be elements of transaction that, that are kind of fetishized but i think in most cases at least in the cultures that i'm exposed to you really want a kind of warm intimacy that doesn't have a direction that isn't always like going down the same routes and if you make it kind of like oh a pick and choose like this is the menu kind of relationship then it, it just fails to have depth so I guess I guess the reason why I brought that up right then was because it reminded me of like the emotional like and and taboo nature I guess of, of kind of like the actions that you were talking about <clears throat> just before then. Um, so when I'm not sure how to how to put this in words, but um, if something like you know if there's a certain thing that turns somebody on, maybe it stops turning people on when it becomes less taboo. Like, do you think there's a totally. tie in there? I totally agree. Also, also, I think this is um, relevant be- far beyond like sexual and relationship kind of like areas, Absolutely. arenas, whatever. I see that a lot on Twitter when something goes like something works well for either that person or they see it working well for somebody else. People kind of tend to beat it in the ground a little bit. I feel like that's one of the things that comes with kind of like a, a, a sharper wit is recognizing when something has kind of reached its its potential for the time being. Um, my favorite is when that happened to the dead horse meme to the beating a dead horse meme and it totally got beaten into the ground this was like a couple years ago and i was just like i don't think there's anything more like more metaphorically or cosmically (laughs) hilarious than the idea of a beating a dead horse becoming a beaten dead horse um but yeah i totally agree i mean and by the way i'm just gonna say this because like i think we've been kind of bouncing around it which is i basically don't think there are that many ideas that apply only to sex like sex yeah. is very fundamental to our society for a lot of reasons. I mean, but number one, because it's how we reproduce. But I think honestly, it's not that special in a lot of ways. It's special because we make it special in our lives, but it's not unique in, in most properties. Most of the things, like I think it's just fertile in some ways where like a lot of things that apply to lots of parts of life apply to sex. But I think like there's very few things that apply only to sex. Yeah, I mean, I I would say that about just about anything. <laughs> it goes all I directions. Think there are some things that are more specific, though. Like I don't know, I, and this is a little bit maybe this is silly or maybe it's too specific, and that's not fair. But like, I think there's a lot of lessons that like only apply to washing the dishes, and I wash a lot of dishes. That's I'm the dishwasher. Give me one. Um, you know, okay, now it's hard because everything I say, I feel like it's going to turn into a metaphor. Um, but. No, okay, I'm not going to do this. You're right. I, I, I honestly I honestly see it because I, I'm thinking anything I could say, like, it's true that I could end up applying it. But I guess you know what it is? So I'm going to, can I, can I revise after I've, you know, uh, seen the delivery? Um, so I think what I'm going to say is we think about sex so much and we care so much that it becomes a fertile field. But you're right. I, I kind of don't think that there's anything that you wouldn't do. It reminds me of something that I tell to my friends that I like a lot, which is, so I didn't, I, I kind of considered going into really formal mathematics and I didn't. Mm-hmm. And what I love about formal mathematics though is the objects you study, you make them your best friend. Like you just know everything about them and you do them from this way and that way and you hate this about them and you love this about them. 
and then you you see it everywhere, right? And it's called this is called the Tetris effect, actually. Where like if you play a lot of Tetris, you start like seeing books as Tetris blocks and how you can put them together. And like I'm sure everyone's had this where like you get really into a book and you start thinking, oh, like it's like you know Hogwarts and like oh this person's in this house and this is how this and the guy has kind of like Dumbledore. You know, you just end up using those metaphors. And I feel like that's what sex is like because we just can't help from thinking about sex. And I feel like even people, you know, even I've met people who consider themselves asexual, and I feel like sex is still a relatively fertile metaphor for them for a lot of things in a very different way, but because it's just so common in culture that they're still exposed to it in an enormous amount. Was that an intentional pun? What the pun? I didn't fertile think. metaphor? I use fertile multiple times here <laughs> and I feel bad about it because I feel like people think it's weird. Like, I feel like a lot of people feel the word, like feel the word fertile is like the word moist. People don't like that word, which is funny because I feel like they're both very sexual words. But no, I just like the word fertile because I don't know another word that describes like full of potential things that'll grow out of it. I, I just can't think of another word like that. What's a what's a word that has absolutely no sexual meaning or sexual... I, my brain doesn't work. What's another word that sounds really sexual but isn't? That's a good question. Um, oof. Um, see, but I can only think of sexual words now. This is really hard. Um... Cocker Spaniel. <laughs> All right, that's and, pretty good. And honestly, I hope you guys don't think it's a sexual word. If you do, you might need help. I'm just going to put that out there. Oh, I thought you were going to say another one. I, you no. were talking about Cocker Spaniel? Oh, no, I was talking, I was talking about Cocker Spaniel. I'm like, okay. please right, right. don't fuck a dog. That's a request I have on the table for listeners of this podcast. <laughs> I don't ask a lot of you. Oh, well, sorry. I don't. I was saying I don't ask a lot of this audience, but uh, but that's one of the things I'm going to ask of y'all. All right, noted. How many human beings have you slept with? You said you've only slept with people in uh, that you've been in long term relationships with. So, and you can tell me if I if this is unfair, but I don't want to reveal that just because I think it would reveal like once you did that, you could start tracking down people because I've slept with so few people. So oh. I, I would rather not do that just, just to protect other people. But let's just say a very small number. Totally fair. I stopped counting. How many of you? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I stopped counting. Well, what? Is it above 100, do you think? Uh, yeah. Do you think it's above 200? Probably. Okay. I don't think it's so above it's 500. Yeah. <laughs> 500 is a lot. That would be like, you know, you're doing, that's like two years of work if you're just like every day. That's, that would be really a lot. So I, one of the people that I worked for when I was an escort, I didn't go into detail on this one in, um, in a Becoming Creature, Critter? Is it a Becoming Creature? Yeah. It's, it's, I think a, it's Becoming Creature. Creature. Yeah. Right. And Critter is maybe like one of his. It's animals. one of the things. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. All right. The, 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 so. The screen name kind of thing. So yeah, when I was living in LA, I worked for um, like a higher class agency. There's like 500 an hour. Um, and that was really cool. Had like a couple dates a week, a lot of like regular clients. Uh, did Coke one time, got several thousand dollars for hanging out. And I didn't even sleep with them, did Coke with a member of the Saudi royal family. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> like up in the hills somewhere. But this podcast I also... is going to get shut down. What? I said oh. this podcast is going to get shut down. <laughs> <laughs> um but i also um oh yeah i guess i could just kind of get into political whatever whatever you think you could 
Never mind. Not I even mean, say the that. most they shut us down, what are they going to think? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but I also, that wasn't uh, frequent enough. It was it was my only source of income at the time. And so I, I got another job working for this lady that I never met her. We did everything over the phone. And this is really sketchy. Uh, that one, I made way more money, but it was a much higher volume because the hourly rate was a lot lower. And sometimes like five, six clients in a day. Crazy. So. Yeah, that'll bump your numbers up. Wasn't your body, like, totally, like, crying out after a day like that? Yeah, so so I didn't really enjoy sex then. Um, I I mean, like, I really liked being around people, but um, a lot of times it hurt, and that was part of why I kept doing heroin, uh, which made it worse because that lowers your libido. Um, But, yeah, it wasn't – sometimes it was was fine. A lot of times people just want to talk and, like, cuddle and stuff, but uh, sometimes it was not fun. I always wondered about that. So do more most people start kind of casually or are a lot of people like kind of just get to it? Oh, it totally depends. It totally depends. Totally. And it depends yeah. on what kind of like agency you're working for or whatever. I see. Um, like the 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 lady, uh, it was supposed to be for an hour, but she would start calling like after half an hour to get me to like make people leave. And I was felt bad about that. It was, it was shitty. I didn't like that. Um, but yeah, for the higher class stuff, it was more like, you talk, you're hanging out, whatever. I've had people take me to dinner. Um, yeah. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Let me look at my list for inspiration, unless you have something. Well, how do you feel about post-sex cuddling? I think I asked you that last time. I don't remember what you said. It's super important. I think anybody, and so I mean, like, just like full disclosure, right? Like, because, and I've said this, but just the, to make it clearly, basically, I have very few takes about, like, casual sex or something just because i have no clue um but what i will say is like anybody who who i, I think it's a mistake to always post sex cuddle because i think there can be something really fun about like okay we had sex like on to the next thing and kind of like there's almost a freshness about that and you take your sexual energy somewhere but mm. i would say as a default it's few times that you get to feel like just more present with someone without feeling the tension to do anything and like i think anyone i'm really close to i can do that anyway but there's a special i don't know chemical bonus um and it's it's the it's the total deal and and you better do it naked because like there is something special in our genetic code about skin on skin contact that just totally makes you feel there with someone yeah i absolutely agree and i i have had some long-term or longish term partners that did not like post-sex cuddling and I, I never felt good about, like, the long-term prospects of those relationships. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. Why? Well, you know, and so it's actually something I always debate about, too. Because, so, you know, there's that thing. Like, it's, like, really good for, like, girls to pee after sex. Like, it's, like, prevents UTIs and shit. But I feel like the girls I've dated, like, hate doing that afterwards. Because it just kind of ruins the mood for them. And I always, like... I always wonder, like, what, what do you feel about that? What's like, there's obviously an inherent tension there. What do you think? About whether or not I pee after sex? Yeah, and how does it make you feel? Or does it not mean anything? Or like, whatever, I just do it. I, I haven't really paid much attention to that. If I do have to pee, I will go pee and then come cuddle again. It doesn't really ruin the mood for me. Nice, nice. And you don't worry about that? Have you ever gotten a UTI? Oh, I used to get them all the time. But that was because, <sighs> you know, I was working, so I was using condoms and also had, like, no libido. So I didn't really like self-lubricating. <laughs> I got them all the time. But um, yeah, I, I doubt they would be as much of a problem now. I don't really have a problem with self-lubricating now. Nice. Very, very nice. How do you feel about pre-sex cuddling? 
I'm just pro cuddling, period. Do you think it's an arousing activity or do you think it's mostly just like the connection? Uh, <clears throat> it, 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 whether or not it's arousing, it depends entirely on like how far I want. Like if, if I'm sexually attracted to that person, I can cuddle with people without being aroused. What do you think about cuddle puddle discourse, which was going around a couple months ago? Duh! It annoyed me, but only because it was all over the TL for a while. Like totally. anything that gets repeated to that degree, I start like it starts having a negative sort of like impact on my brain when I see it. I get annoyed a little bit. Um, no, I totally feel you. Yeah, but as far as like cuddle puddles go, I am all for them. That's interesting. I thought about it quite a bit. I'd consider myself pretty open. I don't think I would like cuddle puddles as a thing. I guess for me, there's a lot of people. There's very few people I wouldn't want to hug. There's plenty of people I wouldn't want to cuddle with. And it's nothing about my, like, how close I am to them by in any capacity. It's just not my thing for them. And I feel like, especially, like, with the idea of cuddle puddle, like, there's just no way you're going to get that many people in a room that I'm actually comfortable with. So I'm always going to kind of be, like, looking out for, like, the few people that I don't really feel comfortable cuddling with, and it's just gonna not feel great for me. That's that's my take. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess here. Just a wild stab in the dark. You've never done ecstasy, have you? I have never done ecstasy. <laughs> um, so a big part of what kind of like set me on the trajectory to being a person who is cuddly was doing ecstasy. Mm -hmm. I did it first in high school, and before then, I had like you know super like hardcore personal space bubble people didn't even come close to me to hug me anything like that I was really uncomfortable with even just like standing really close to somebody um and it, it started changing that pretty much overnight um and, and I don't think that I would be the kind of person that I am now had I not started doing that I mean I don't really do it anymore but it, the kind of changes that I made in my but brain were pretty fundamental totally. no yeah. I can totally see that I guess it's interesting because I am a very cuddly person and like, for instance, like, I definitely love giving hugs. And I like, if I have a friend who doesn't like hugs, it is a barrier between us, for sure. And like, I definitely respect that barrier. But it's just hard for me. It's like, kind of, it's a very strong sign of intimacy. So mm -hmm. I, I definitely believe that could change. But it, it was, I guess it was always an interesting kind of holdback. But yeah, it's true. I have, I have never uh, done ecstasy. Here's a question. Do you think you would ever become monogamous again? My last two relationships were monogamous. Oh, so like, do you not consider that like, I always kind of, so I, I probably misinterpreted you because I always kind of assumed like you're going to have like, if you have a, like a, a relationship now, like you kind of want it to be on the table that like, oh, we can kind of, you know, like have crushes or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So you don't feel that way. You're like, eh, you just kind of see what happens in the relationship. If I, all right. So my, I was from 18, 19, somewhere in there up until the last few years, everything, all my relationships were, were, uh, were poly. Right. Then I dated someone on the street, and um, he he was like very very um, deliberate. He definitively wanted monogamy, um, and I I disliked mm. him enough or or wanted the relationship enough that I was okay with it. My preference mm. is poly, but I will go monogamous if if that um, is a stronger preference on the side of my partner. Do you have preferences that are just absolute constraints that you just would not consider ever like going against? Uh, that's a hard question to answer now because my values have shifted a lot and I haven't dated anybody since I since that happened. I see, um, I see. Yeah, like my values shifted. I think shifted for me, up, yeah. I would never convert religions for somebody. I don't think I could, it would be, I mean, unless like they really made me believe and I think that's, I, I see that as highly, highly unlikely, but I, I think like 
it, it would be pretty difficult for me to date someone real religious because I would always feel like there's this barrier between us of like they really think the world is this way and then I'm kind of fucking myself over unless there's a religion where it's like not really like I'm fucking myself over but I feel like most religions that's you know even if they're like tolerant of other people doing it they, their belief is that you're kind of screwing yourself over by doing that and I guess that it would tough be tough for me to feel like my partner thinks I'm screwing myself over by the my fundamental beliefs Oh yeah, that's a good example. I think that I could probably date somebody who had who had a very different religious belief from me or any religious belief since I'm not religious. Um, but I don't think I could. I don't think I would date somebody who who expected me to adopt their beliefs. Yeah, right. And I think that's the key. I guess for me, I'm a little bit more sensitive about it in that, like, even if they were totally accepting of me, but they thought that I was totally wrong, and it was like this thing in the in that I knew in the back, it would it would totally kill me in the back of my mind. I'd be like, but you you don't really accept me and that would that would be the end <laughs> interesting yeah i think i think that like i don't know i i could totally like, accept and value people and still think that they're wrong about some things um so i guess coming from that standpoint i would assume the same like if i trusted somebody enough you know if i like talked to them and they and they shared their beliefs enough with me where where i believed them that they didn't look down on me and just we just had a difference of opinions then i would be okay with that but i think that's unlikely to to happen Totally. No, I, I think I'm I'm relatively similar. I'm just kind of probably more paranoid and like mm, I would be like even more suspicious even if I uh, even if they're like no 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 it's like that. But okay, totally uh, totally uh, um new topic. Do you is there a sex act you enjoy more personally? Like you enjoy it um than cunnilingus? Oh yeah, cunnilingus is not my favorite. Go for it. What what is it? What's the best? <laughs> it really depends on the person, like you were saying. With, really? Like, the... Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, and, and my mood, too. Like, if I am feeling like like I have drifted away from somebody a little bit, I want to do missionary. Mm. Uh, if I'm feeling like we need a little spice, then I want to, like, you know, do something a little crazier. Um, it really depends on mood, what's happening in the relationship, and who I'm with. I really resonate with that. And by the way, I, like, so I really wonder about that with missionary. I feel it the exact same way. And I really wonder how much that's a cultural thing of, like, because it's vanilla sex, like, it is it means something about like kind of like your routine or whatever like I feel like in that way it's similar to I don't know going on a normal date with a partner you had for a long time can feel really really intimate um and that's interesting or but I also wonder if like the mechanics of sex are such that like missionary is probably considered vanilla in lots of places because that's just how it is because there aren't that many ways you can have sex and there are a bunch of kind of small variations but fundamentally I feel like they're kind of like seven or eight positions you can really call ex like different and i wonder if that's just always kind of considered the vanilla everywhere i have no idea i don't know anything about the geographic uh splits of how sex is considered that's an interesting point i'm not really sure like i like i'm inclined to say that it doesn't have to do with with like like the the labels of it for me um yeah. i i feel like it's more that and i may be wrong so just thinking about this now but i i feel like it's more like with other positions there's a little bit more um thought that goes into uh kind of like figuring out how to like give each other the right amount of pleasure whatever uh there's a little bit more like active like adjusting the position maybe and like with yeah. missionary you can just really focus on like the person and like totally. like being that close to somebody and you know you're not no one's not facing the other way you're just like I don't know. It feels more like like it's possible to just be one with that person right then. No, I totally agree. I mean, I think one of the main reasons for that is it's just easier to look them in the eyes. And yeah. also, like, 
because you're not struggling to make it work, you are looking in the eyes more. Like even though there's a situation where you're you're face to face, but it's complicated. That's yeah. still like if you're if you're not focusing, it's like having the radio on, you know. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Have you ever had sex with the TV on? Uh, um, well, I mean, I don't know if this. Okay, probably. There's probably times I don't remember. Um, but one of my exes would uh would watch porn on his phone. Well, he fucked, so that was pretty cool. That's that's not TV. I don't just like. I'm not just like. Oh, this is episode two of Gangbangers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you mean just like watching regular TV and you're fucking? Yeah, well, thing I think a lot of people do. I've heard of. A, I've never done this, but I've heard of a lot of people doing it. I think. I'm trying to remember if I've ever. I think I might have had sex during a movie, where I kind of. Before the movie happened, I kind of had this impression that my partner wanted to have sex. Like, that's what was going to happen. So, like, it almost felt less like we were having sex during a movie so much as, like, she put on a movie because, like, she was like, okay, this is going to set the scene. Um, But I don't know. It's something that a lot, it seems like a lot of people I've heard, I've talked to do, but it always kind of surprised me because it felt like, you know, I could actually honestly see something sexy about it in that, like, there is something sexy about making something mundane. Like, even, like, it's almost it's almost taboo to make sex mundane. And that in itself can be sexy, but it's something that I've never really considered. And I guess I feel like if I suggested it to a partner, I would almost feel bad. Like, I was, like, I was kind of trying to devalue their like like the, the sex we were having and that would make me feel bad even though i don't know if that's true but i think that's that's a worry i would have i would feel weird if someone suggested that to me because it would feel too planned but like now that i'm thinking back on it i have definitely had sex while watching movies probably tv just because like we're cuddling and that's what ends up happening um hmm. so planned making it planned would be weird i'm curious why because i'm fucking fickle man like <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It kills the mood for me a little bit. Um, it just like finding things out like that. Generally against planned sex, then like, what if like, would you not like? Would it be weird if your partner was like, "Let's have sex tonight in the morning"? Yeah, that would be weird to me. That's interesting. If it was like hinted at, like maybe we should do this thing, or you know, there's kind of like some like uh, we've got a little like unspoken like like referencing back to things that we've talked about being hot or that kind of thing. Um then that would be cool. But if it's just like, oh, what you doing a six tonight? Like, I think this would be a good night to fuck. Like, that totally kills the mood for me. Totally. I I have to admit, I, I totally sometimes do stuff like that. And I definitely don't think my partners have liked it. And I have to, like, <laughs> actively try myself not to do that. And I think one of the reasons that it happens, if, like, are you already familiar with this just from planning this podcast, that, like, I just want to stuff a lot in my life. And so I'm really intense about planning things. And that you know it's it's a serious mood killer for most people i've had to learn that kind of the hard way because i guess i just don't really i don't really, I honestly think it can be sexy i think it can be like oh this has happened i'm kind of preparing my mind or whatever blah, blah blah but i totally think that your your description reminds me of like a lot of the people i've talked to about this not just people that i've dated but like a, just generally people i've talked to about sex that that's the that's the thing so i guess i just had to learn it might be different if I were like really, really, really comfortable with with someone. Like the only real long term relationship I've had was the was the really, really long one, and um, yeah, I don't remember him ever doing that. But I probably would have been comfortable with him doing that just because I was comfortable enough with him that I knew I could say no if I changed my mind, and he would still want to hang out with me. I think a lot of my feelings about this. I'm tapping the pen on the ground. Hopefully that's not loud. I'm gonna stop doing that. <laughs> uh, hopefully, um, well, that's what I turned that. 
Oh, okay. So I think part of this comes from um, kind of like a deep-seated sort of uh, feeling I've been struggling with my whole life of feeling not like, I, like I'm not worth being friends with. Um, I've had a lot of people like express romantic interest in me. And when I tell them I don't feel the same way, they just stop talking to me. Like I had that happen over and over and over again. And it makes me feel like I don't have value as a person. And I'm much better about dealing with it now. But um, I think maybe that's where part of it comes from. Like if you need to schedule sex with me, that means like scheduling time to hang out with me and maybe sex happens isn't quite enough. You know, does that make sense? No, it it totally, totally makes sense. And yeah, no, I mean, I, and I think this is this is a tension I'm super aware of too, and that I am really unhappy with how I've dealt with in the past, and I I've definitely felt like that from both sides. I've like I remember I had a partner who was like, basically like, you know, we should be having sex like at least every other day, which like I was into, but I at the time didn't really feel up to it, and I was like I liked the idea of it, but I didn't think like I could really keep up that kind of stamina, and I was like kind of just really emotionally drained at the time um and that the fact that they would just get unhappy about it was like the biggest turnoff ever and that just made sex not happen which was the worst um but and i and so i've been on that side but i've definitely been on the other side of basically just really wanting to have sex with a partner and like them not doing it and just being disappointed but then also seeing how this disappointment kind of like really put a distance between us so yeah no I mean I I totally understand that and I guess what I find really hard about that is like I think a lot of these cases are because you know people really are just horny and like often don't care who the other person is blah blah, blah or like just wants you know them from an attractiveness perspective but I think it's you know as someone who hasn't been as much in that position I've always been just having sex with people that I actually have like a relationship and you know care about on a, on a kind of different level I think there is another component to it, which is, I think when people get horny and like just generally sexual, they kind of can't stop themselves a lot. And I think a lot of people view this as like a very male thing, but from my perspective, it's really on both sides. And that if the other person isn't in that space, it just feels so transactional. Um, And it's hard though, because I feel like, you know, that person really is in this kind of mood that they can try to stop, but they're not going to be that good at stopping. And yet, like, by doing this, they are creating distance. And not, it's still not clear to me what the best way to handle that is. I mean, obviously, like, the kind of thing is, like, oh, you know, just go masturbate or keep in your pants, whatever. I don't really know. I don't think it's, like, a real solution because I don't think, especially people who are in long-term relationships, I don't think they're just having sex in a way they can just replace with masturbation. Like, I think it's about emotional connection and all of these things that, like, are just kind of a little bit intangible, or at least I don't know, you know, the chemical reasons why they happen. And so, like, when they want sex, it's really something about the relationship. And I, I haven't seen, honestly, I haven't seen relationships that balance as well. Sorry, I went on for a really long time. But I, it's just something I've thought about a lot. Oh, no, sorry. I just had to clear my throat. I'm still kind of sick. <laughs> I wasn't you you hate, at all. Do you hate me? <laughs> no, but I guess I, I know that much more I want to say. I was just going to say, like, I've, everybody that I'm super close to, that I kind of believe that I know what's going on in their relationships from the amount they tell me, I feel like everyone I've known struggles with this if they're in a long-term relationship that like the other person is making something sexual they don't want to make it sexual and it makes them feel weird and like they're almost managing somebody um but that like it's not clear for me how to deal with that because I don't think the other person can just turn that off and it's easy I feel like if they you know turn that off the appearance of that off they kind of have this resentment um and I really I guess also I guess the thing that I just want to reinforce is I've really seen this from both sides that, that like both men and women struggle with this and I feel like 
honestly, it's interesting because I think a lot of the, you know, I'm actually very for a lot of the, um, you know, like changing sexual standards in order to kind of relieve pressure from people, especially on women, like exactly what we're talking about the blowjob thing. But I feel like one of the ways in which the general impression of that is unhelpful is I think it's made a lot of things seem more one-sided than they really are because we like i feel like even now we don't talk about the fact that women get horny like it's just like still kind of not really on the cultural space but i feel like this tension is just super universal and has almost nothing to do with gender yeah yeah i i I totally agree and i've started to see over time um it's become a lot more important to me to have regular sex and figure out what's going on in my brain if i don't want to have sex regularly yeah i think that's a really big thing sorry sorry, go ahead no no go ahead Oh, I I think that's a really big thing. Like uh, that's that's the biggest thing, which is I feel like when you're not having sex regularly in a in a big relationship, like in in a relationship, and I just say that because that's what I know. It, there's always a reason, and it's either because one person is really struggling with something, or because there's a block in the relationship. Um, and like it just is almost always an indicator. It's like kind of like not being able to do as much reps at the gym on your usual routine, like it gives you this kind of sense of what's going on in a way that I feel like is actually really useful if you start using it as a signal. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I feel like it's much, much easier to work through difficulties and, and, and conflict and things like that when you are having regular sex just because nope, there's that level totally of closeness. True. What? Yeah, no, that's totally true. Sorry, sorry. I keep agreeing, but I, I realize it actually sounds annoying, but I'll agree afterwards. Yes, that's totally true. <laughs> it's totally fine <laughs> I interrupt people with my laugh all the time and apparently Claire in my throat also does that no but I totally agree um, I uh, my friend told me about this Chinese proverb that I'm probably going to get wrong but hopefully it still keeps the spirit which is um, uh, couples uh, start arguments at the um, head of the bed and finish them at the end which you know has kind of this lewd implication of what they're doing at the end of the bed um, and I I just feel like that's super true that they're like sex as a conflict resolution method and as more than just a conflict resolution method as a method to keep a state of chill in which conflicts can be managed as they come up is super mm-hmm. underrated and people think it's just like no it's just you're horny when you're horny and that's what happens I'm like no like these are all tools we should use we shouldn't make them just like you know we shouldn't make them machines we're not machines that just will have sex when when there's conflict but if it's going in that direction, if you can learn a culture of like, you know, like kind of using sex to calm yourself down in general or in a specific situation, that's good. And I actually think that, you know, kind of making, figuring out things like that with a partner is a really good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even just like um, you sitting so that your arms are touching or something when you're having a difficult conversation, like small things like that makes such a big difference, especially if, if it, especially if I don't want to be sitting next to somebody, if I'm angry enough that I don't want to be close to them, like it, it, it is extra reason for me to just go take a second, take a deep breath and go sit down. And like, usually the tension kind of melts away. No, that's, that's very real. Yeah. That's something that I've always, I feel like I, um, like, have more physical contact with my partners in general, like um, in public spaces, not like in any lewd way, but like in, you know, like really holding their hand a lot and never involve a lot. And I definitely, no one has like told me that. That's weird. Oh God, we have to cut that out. I just said my real name. Um, but, I wasn't uh, even listening. I spaced out for a second here. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll cut that out in, uh, in post. But, um, but uh, I, 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 um, sorry, I have to recover myself from my idea. But, uh, my, uh, but what I will say is that people do, I feel like are a little bit like, oh, aren't you like a little bit intense to like be making any, like, you know, to always like be holding hands and stuff like that. But I feel like it's super important as a kind of communication. 
If people don't hold my hand in public, I assume that they're embarrassed to be seen with me. (laughs) (laughs) Which is probably silly, but it's always what I end up thinking. Like, they're not okay with being public about about their affection for me. My mom told me that when they started dating, my dad didn't want to hold hands with her in public. (gasps) Why? I don't know. I think he was just... It's funny because he's kind of a really silly person, but I think he used to be way more serious. That's my impression. And I look back mm-hmm. at pictures and hear stories. My dad was... No, wait. My mom was my dad's first girlfriend. Whoa. Yeah. And, like, did they ever split up and like, get back together? Or has it just been the, nope. that the entire time? That's crazy. Yep. And they had me. <laughs> <laughs> No one really knows what happened. Pretty early. Did but did that happen pretty early in the relationship, or is it just like, is, or, or was that just mostly facetious? Oh wait, wait. Early in what happened? Early in the relationship. You. Did they give you birth did. to me early in the relationship? Yeah, yeah, no. I'm just curious. Like, did, oh, when did they have? Oh yeah, no. I think my mom was 24. Mm-hmm. They were married and everything. She might have been 26. Um, I see, I see. they had a very, very kind of normie life. That's, that was the joke is that, you know, they're pretty much only dated each other, solid marriage, still together. Um, pretty much only slept with each other as far as I know. And, uh, and, and yet I am their daughter. <laughs> well, it's a different era too. I feel like what's considered weird, it's, you know, norms, cultural impressions of norms don't change that fast, but I think norms are changing pretty fast, even if. The cultural expectation of them is is different so yeah i agree with that uh, just out of curiosity how often do you masturbate and is that number different when you're in long-term relationships or does it kind of fluctuate hmm. it fluctuates a lot um i've been masturbating a little bit less lately i would say in reality it's probably on average like twice a day i definitely have a really high libido um and does it fluctuate in relationships? I don't think it does more. I don't think it fluctuates more than when I'm not in a relationship. I think there are other factors about being busy or like not feeling like definitely like low self-confidence makes me masturbate a lot less. I don't know. Like, I guess for me, if I'm in a period of not feeling attractive, there's nothing that will make me feel even worse out of it. Like, like, masturbating will just make me feel so ugly like if i feel ugly and then i masturbate i'll feel like three times as ugly um and so that's yeah that's that's how it is um but yeah i would say uh probably like about like twice a day but like it fluctuates an enormous amount like probably last week it's probably only been like maybe three times um but that's if you if you count down to average that's how it is what about you oh i almost never masturbate (laughs) <laughs> I started out not masturbating at all, and that's um, part of why I, uh, I it took me so long to orgasm. I didn't first orgasm until the end of my twenties, um, but I still don't, even though I'm really comfortable with it now, because I like to save up the tension. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I think I just never have that problem. I just think I have an un a, a boundless tension in me. Um, like, and that's, that's just like how I am. Like, I'm always like on the edge of like bursting about just stuff. Just like if someone like brings up something, I'm just like, oh, uh, this entire thing. So I feel like in me, there's always just this boundless tension personally, but I, I can totally understand that. And it's actually probably one of the things that like, I kind of have a theory that I'm going into a stage of like masturbating less and kind of doing that in order to kind of 
save up my energy, especially I have so much stuff going on that like it is kind of like I can't actually it's hilarious, but I really just don't want to spend on my schedule. I have other things I want to do. And yeah. then like I can change the culture of my own sexuality to be more about saving up tension. And I've definitely noticed that lately. Yeah. And also, I just I've always thought of sex as like a teen sport. Like I enjoy masturbating if somebody else is masturbating, even if we're not going to fuck like that kind of thing. It just, just I just really like doing it with other people. It's it's not and and I have a really vivid imagination, but I, I've kind of stopped daydreaming. I've kind of stopped making up scenarios and like imagining myself with people if it's not going to happen because that kind of just gives me like heartbreak later. And so like totally. like I don't really like I don't really imagine people unless I'm already dating them and I'm not dating anybody. So like there's nothing really to like for me to masturbate to. That's funny. Wait, so like, but you said like almost never. Like what what would, what would make it happen? I, I don't think that I have, yeah, I haven't masturbated in last year. I, I except with, <clears throat> maybe with people. <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> jealous of that. I'm not going to lie. I definitely feel like that would, because I do feel like, um to me, like I, like, I love sex, and it's this interesting thing, and I have a lot of thoughts on it, but in many ways, I feel like it's just this eternal distraction that I just couldn't possibly get rid of. And of course, you know, I don't think that's entirely true. I think I could get rid of it. I think, you know, it wouldn't, it, it's not, it doesn't boggle my mind, the idea of considering a vow of celibacy. Like I could imagine channeling the energy and other stuff and whatever, but I don't really want to. I kind of like the person that I am. And I just feel like it ha it does kind of like take up all of this mental space and like, oh, I like have all of the sexual tension and whatever and blah, blah, blah. And honestly, also, it takes up more mental space now that I have been working out more. I definitely mm. feel like I have a higher sex drive even than I used to. And I think I already had a pretty high sex drive. Uh -huh. um, and so I don't know. It's I'm, I'm definitely very jealous of this. Like, I totally feel what you're saying about the team sport. And I definitely think it's almost always more fun as a team sport. And so I kind of wish that I could just be like, mm, no, it's not worth it. It's not going to be a team sport kind of thing. But I think I just have too much tension. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. How big is your dick? Let's hear it. <laughs> I measured it a and I, a couple months ago, and I have a thread on Twitter if you want to check it out. Uh, and it is seven inches, um, like just barely past, like not a, not a centimeter more. I don't think. Um, yeah, I mean that's it's funny because I knew that I like had a slightly above average dick size as a high schooler because like I don't know I checked I don't know I, I I don't know if I don't I assume not everybody does but I think it's pretty common people are kind of curious but and so I was like oh that's nice but I like in sex ed they just teach you like you are average you, you might be slightly above variation or whatever but you are average it's gonna be average whatever blah 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 and the only reason I even thought about checking now was because my friend like I saw that he had large condoms in his drawer and I was like, nice, dude, like, nice. And he was like, actually, it's crazy. Like, I'd never thought to use these. And then, like, I noticed that my condoms were really tight. And then my, like, the girl that I was seeing suggested that. And I was like, uh, maybe. Because I feel like for guys, I, I know, I don't know. I feel like there's this thing probably people think, like, oh, we all think that we have, like, you know, huge dicks. I feel like for guys, it's, like, it's just hammered into you that you don't. And so you would never even consider it. And then, so then I started trying and I actually noticed that it felt more comfortable now apparently there's this entire thing about um that a lot of large condoms aren't actually even larger like there's a conspiracy that's like if you go and measure them whatever so I have no idea maybe it's also all a placebo effect 
but then that made me actually want to go um and check and then i was like oh actually like it's like grown significantly since high school which i didn't even realize it was gonna be a thing i thought like i was kind of done with puberty um that's that's where i'm at oh so it so it grew since high school oh yeah like like in high school it was like i don't know maybe like a little bit less than six and a half inches i don't i didn't write it down anywhere i don't really know um but uh it was like above average but like you know not like whatever and then i just assumed that was it i like never even really bothered after that but apparently you know things keep going that's fascinating yeah i i I never i think because i was so uncomfortable with sex even when i was having it uh you know having frequently whatever i never really paid attention to size there's pretty much like it's it's micro penis and i have slept with one person who did have a legitimate micro penis while i was an escort um it's micro penis massive or like and then everybody else is somewhere between there like i don't really have any idea of how big anything between those two sizes is (laughs) Uh, yeah i've never really felt like it mattered i what i did what i do feel like is since it's such a cultural thing you know like like the like the term like big dick energy or like stuff like that i always was super happy about that because i'm not super tall and i was like you know it's this one thing that like doesn't matter at all in reality but it's this weird cultural game and i won without doing anything um so i was always kind of satisfied by that um but yeah i i I get the impression from my partners that it literally doesn't matter at all and like it's all about you know skill and how much energy and tension you put in and communication whatever and like I don't know. I definitely have read about this on Twitter too. I consider it a duty to like be good in bed if I like for for my partner. Like if I don't, I definitely I feel straight up ashamed. I'm like, this was supposed to be something good and it wasn't. Um, and so I I like I I don't take that too seriously. But I'm curious for you, how often does massive come up? Like is that like I feel like most of the girls I know who've slept with a fair number of people are like, oh well, there are a few. Like like how often do you think that comes up with people you sleep with? Like every tenth person or like what? somewhere between every 10th and every like 15th maybe i see i don't know that's totally just out a pretty pretty large portion of the population then like i mean i don't i don't know they stood out more to me because i mean like at the time i was i was really you know sex was painful for me and so if i opened the door or like you know if i walked in or whatever and there was some like giant dude i would quail in terror a little bit just like knowing it was going to be really painful for me um so those those ones stood out to me and it may be that i thought they were happening more often than they actually were totally so yeah i definitely was not ever one of those people who was like yes like give me the big dicks (laughs) i don't don't know that many people like that to be to be frank i I, i've met one or two but i mean i also like you know i've you know probably in total there are like maybe 15 or 20 women that i like am comfortable enough i ha- or have been comfortable enough with um with over time to actually you know speak with them about sex this candidly so you know i'm drawing from a relatively small portion of people wait i had a question for you oh what is the most physically um attractive part of someone and i know it varies by person but i'm saying on average um for, for men and for women and if it's the same that'll be even more interesting uh probably that that little like curve right next to the hip is that's my so part. interesting i totally i so i was just saying like that area and the general oblique area like that is i was i was just saying my friend that's the sexiest part of a man by far I, I, I think it's i think both it's, genders that is the, my favorite part of the body i need to think so it's funny i was like sure about that for men i guess i've been thinking about it a lot because i've been like getting really serious about working out for the first time and so i've been looking at my own body for a while and thinking what do i like and what do i don't like so i've been thinking about that much more or a woman 
honestly, I guess the thing is I'm just so much less critical of women. Like, there, it would be hard for me to say, oh, that's just the, the thing. I guess ass matters a lot to me. I feel like it just, like, frames the figure in a way that I find very sexy. Um, but I... It's a, it's a bit silly to say that, because, like, I'm attracted to plenty of people who, like, have totally flat asses or something. It's like, they, I don't think, I think, honestly, I probably don't have a meaningful favorite for women, but I think for men, like, the obliques, just the key part of them. I don't know if this is um, because I've been kind of, like, not feeling well for such a long time, or if there's something that's bleeding out to me, like, trad kind of stuff from this corner of Twitter, or if it's because I'm watching all these K-dramas, but I have been really really craving cuddling somebody with big broad shoulders and it was like never a mm. thing that like i like was attracted to in the past and maybe i'm just like maybe it's kind of like some hormonal shift or something i don't know how how attracted i am to men kind of depends i like varies based on what kind of birth control i'm using so it could be all sorts of things but like i have been leaning much more towards attraction towards men than i have of women lately uh, I, I tended to like femi boys if I liked boys before, like just straight mm. as far as physical, physical attraction goes. Um, totally. But I think it's leaning away from that now. I'm not sure why. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Mm. It makes me proud. I've been working on my chest muscles and I've definitely noticed my figure get broader. So I've obviously been doing the right thing. <laughs> I'm not sure what? if I even knew that was something that you could, you could, you know, change the shape of with, I mean, obviously that makes sense, but I don't know that I ever thought of it like that. Like, yeah, I think, I I think maybe... I'm, I'm not very well informed, but I've definitely noticed this with my own body. And I think it's just that your shoulder muscles get bigger and kind of you, like I used to cr crunch in more. And now that I have, it gives me better posture in a way that I'm like, uh, and there's more muscle on the side. So it just like creates a slightly larger, like entire thing. I don't think it actually gets that much bigger. I think it's just like the, the combined effect of you opening up more and then a little bit of the of the muscle on the side. Yeah. I feel you on the ass thing though. Like I used to be kind of like low-key anorexic. I never, you know, it was never that I told myself I didn't want to be fat. It was kind of more like a punishment thing. Like when totally. I was unhappy, sort of like didn't deserve to eat, although I never thought of it like that either. But like lately, um, I've been like, a lot more attracted to people who are in shape and who take care of themselves because that's kind of more what I see as going as part of like a healthy person, you know, is going to be healthy in more than just the physical realm. Uh, not always, but <laughs> um, yeah. So I've been like clenching my ass muscles as I walk because I don't really have the stamina right now to like exercise a whole bunch. And I'm kind of wondering if that's going to help at all. Like I kind of want a bigger ass. Let's, let's find out. I think yeah. it's really like there are a bunch of these exercises. I think it's, I think it's pretty easy though. I think you just got to do a bunch of squats. Uh, I don't have the stamina to do that right now. Uh, my heart rate has been doing crazy things. Uh, Brutal. Well, I'll work on I, it. I've been doing a bunch of squats. So I'll I'll let you know how it goes. Uh, okay. I definitely want I definitely want a more toned ass for sure. What if we did a, a Twitter contest where we all measure our asses and then like post every week on like how much um, growth we've had? I'm I'm honestly down. I think that'd be hilarious and fun, and we'd get everybody exercising. And by yeah. the way, that like what you were saying really vibes with me. That I care so much more in the last year or two about like attractiveness as a vision of health than I used to and I think it's because when I was a kid I was like ah, everyone's kind of gonna get through everything whatever so it was very aesthetic and now I guess just really a turn off if someone I feel like someone isn't taking care of themselves um and I just feel like that's I can't I can't envision a, like a really good time with those people usually um romantically and so it's just interesting. I just very much agree with this kind of 
health as a vision as, as doing that and it, it, it it's interesting because i feel like this is a very true in the past where like you know there have been eras and civilizations where like being fat was cute and i totally feel like that comes from like the fact that a lot of people are facing starvation and just like health as attractiveness is a super strong thing with humans yeah it's really interesting to me because it's changed so much i mean i always found women who were kind of like more you know uh, had more curves that kind of thing were attracted totally. to me as opposed to like the super skinny people but i always prefer to be super skinny um and now like and now like when i look at myself like right now i'm pretty skinny because i haven't been very active last few months and i don't mm. like it like i look at myself and go oh like i look unhealthy i don't like it i want to be like toned <laughs> totally but it, like I also used to not um <clears throat> I didn't really like the whole like I thought of people as like health nuts if they if they exercise all the time and kind of like associated it with being shallow and and I think there are you know some cases of that kind of thing but now I kind of see it more as like I started taking care of myself when I started like uh, loving and appreciating myself enough too and so totally. I kind of like like if somebody says the right words but they're not really acting in a way that like um I I don't know what word I'm thinking of here but you know what I mean? <clears throat> I think so. And I, I definitely had a very similar progression where I was like, why bother? Like anyone could be healthy physically and it doesn't really matter. And I've just come to believe much more in kind of like mind body connection that, you know, it's hard to think if you're, if you're not really um, being serious about like taking care of yourself and things like that. And for me, I just always had a lot of trouble of gaining muscle. I have a kind of stomach issue that makes it hard to gain weight. And mm -hmm. so I was always like, kind of skinny but also had a little bit too much fat and it was like this weird combination where even when I worked out pretty hard I wouldn't see results very quickly and that was just such uh you know it was just a little bit heartbreaking for me I felt like I couldn't do anything about my situation so I always kind of wasn't very fit and and was out of shape and, and felt weird about it and then lockdown came and basically I realized I have to work out or I'm gonna go crazy yeah and then just like it boosted my mood enough that I was like yeah, well, at least I'm getting this out of it. And then a few months later, I started to see some actual results on my body and I was gaining muscle and losing fat. And that was like so satisfying that it finally got me to, to break the barrier. Yeah. Okay, I think we're running out of steam. Any any last things? <laughs> I was just thinking that. No, no, no. Um, it is also freezing in my house right now and I don't have a jacket. I gotta turn on the heater. So I think this is a good pot, good spot to end it. Okay, well, with, with that beautiful thing, um, thank you all for listening, and this is the first episode of uh, Broken Crispy. Oh, wait, 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 before we go, do you, so so our original idea was to bring people on who could, like, just ask us a bunch of questions about things, because they're both pretty open about our thoughts and life history and stuff like that. Um, is that kind of, like, the path that you want to stick with? You want to tell us, you know, we have that form on uh, the Broken Crispy Twitter page yeah, that people can fill out. We'll, we'll retweet that. I, I totally think that's still how we're going. And I think the truth is we're just really chill and we're going to figure things out as we go. But I think it'll be super fun to have some people on here and basically just interrogate us, you know, just just this is our spot to be open with you and, you know, come and get what you want. But also if people I think if people want to come on and just like shoot the shit with us and, and they we'll, don't we'll feel comfortable it. being in that role, that's totally fine, too. Like, I don't want to get too much stuck in the box of like, this is how we have yeah. to format them. Agreed. Yeah. I'll I'll get a pile of shit. We'll shoot it. It'll be great. <laughs> it sounds lovely. Thank you so much. <laughs> great. <laughs> Bye.